0: The pump always guys respect the pump. Uh, I respect the pump in all assets. Why? Because it's kind of like karma. You know, the power of the pump always comes back to you if you respect the pump of other people. It's, it's crazy, but I have this belief that whatever pumps, you have to pay respect because otherwise if you're like, Oh my God, this, this, this scam coin, this scam coin is pumping again. Actually, you are kind of rejecting, you're rejecting the pump from your life. Maybe it's a bit out there, you know, woo woo, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we all got to believe in something, and I do believe in the power of the pump it's kind of like you know let the pump be with you. I went to bed yesterday I told you guys on Twitter I told you guys on Twitter uh, good night and let the pump be with you okay this is how I see uh, it's it's like this force it's like this force that is all around us and if you are if you are really inviting the pump into your life, it will come <laughs> Welcome to this episode of uh, Trash Future, that podcast you are listening to at this very moment. That's it is right. The classic lineup, the old school season one lineup. It is me, Riley, with Milo, me, Charlie Palmer, <laughs> with Milo. Yeah, hello. Uh, and Hussein. Yeah, I'm. I'm like we're we're like we're doing like the Dragon sword configuration. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And uh, we're also very excited to be joined by host of the Odd Lots podcast on Bloomberg, Joe Weisenthal. Joe, how's it going?
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, It's a, very, a real pleasure to see you. Um, yeah. We always record on a Bloomberg terminal, so it's always a pleasure to get someone in.
1: <laughs> Thank you for the plug.
0: <laughs> no, not a lot of people know, actually, that uh, the Bloomberg terminal does have excellent audio normalization. It really does, and it makes it worth the eighty thousand dollars a year or whatever
2: it costs. I think it's only twenty-five. Oh well, I'll oh, 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 we'll have to.
3: I am. Um, I, I did a story once where someone had like with a finance guy who uh, has a Bloomberg terminal or like something like that in his house. I, I, I don't know if it's like a Bloomberg terminal, but it's like one of those things where it basically looks like one to like a normie idiot. And I remember like on his screen, like on top of all the, uh, on top of all the, uh, uh the, the fun graphs and stuff. Um, one screen had Joe Rogan and the other screen had like some other, uh, like adjacent podcasts. He was listening to two. We well he was like watching two podcasts at the same time
2: while he was training. <laughs> You're discovering that like actually the markets correlate to Joe Rogan.
1: I said that's the way to live. Trading, listen to mo- multiple podcasts at one time, monitoring mm-hmm. stuff on your Bloomberg terminal. Like that guy, uh, that guy knows what he's doing
0: yeah well the weird hmm. the weird thing is right that's actually kind of not far off from how a lot of financial news gets disseminated now We're like I don't know if you, you all saw, but how Elon Musk, after the Capitol insurrections, tweeted, use signal, and then the stock uh, meaning the uh, encrypted messaging app yeah, yeah. And then the stock of a different company called Signal shot up four thousand percent amazing it's so cool because it's 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 well, it's weird it's become kind of like Memefied, hasn't yeah. it? A little bit,
1: yeah. I mean, it's probably like one of these things where a bunch of people saw it and a bunch of people didn't know what Signal was, and then they looked up to see if there was a stock and there wasn't. And they probably like, Oh, this is some medical uh, device company, probably not what he's talking about. But then it's like, Well, someone else is probably going to get confused too if I was confused, so why not buy it? Mm. And you mm. know. As long as someone well, else no, is more is it, confused than you, you can make money.
2: Yeah, everyone is at least as stupid as I am. So you if I'm buying the stock, everyone is. You don't, really
1: need, you don't even really need anyone, everyone to be stupid. It's like, well, we all agree we're going to play the game at the same time. And we all know it's a game and we all know it's nothing. But, you know, someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. And I think I can outplay you. Why not play? The thing
0: is he's play like... Drunken he, mastery. Yeah, Elon
3: is such a weird poster in the sense of like... You know, you never know when he's trying to do a bit and when he's not. And I don't think he's actually aware of when he's trying to do a bit and when he's not. But And as a result of just that confusion, it kind of like his posting is one of the few that like actually causes real like material effects. I don't know if that's like the right term, um, but like I feel like that trajectory and like him knowing that he has like this kind of unique posters energy bestowed onto him by all like the Tesla simps. Um, like that's I I feel like this year is going to be the year where like something really bad happens because he accidentally like pocket like pocket tweets.
1: Yeah, I mean, like who knows? Like you know, there was obviously like the infamous uh, funding secured tweet where he said he was going to take a Tesla private. Like maybe who knows? Like how planned that was. Maybe he just thought of that tweet like fifteen seconds before he tweeted it. Like most of us, tweet. I mean, he could, it's he, could no. he could he could.
3: He could probably like get a lot of people to uh to consider like um uh changing their gender if he like accidentally tweets Tesla wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: right. Um, so look I've um uh, must just like uh thinking <laughs> about getting a pussy. <laughs> so I've um I've done something as well for today, right? Because the in the longer sort of run of this episode, we're gonna do a little more uh TF macro edition. And we're going to talk about sort of financial crises and like the long financial crisis that we've all been living through. But first, I wanted to go back to our roots. I want to do a startup and it's not... And it, the, here's the fun thing. It's a startup with a product because okay. we've been spending the last like year doing the startup segment about predatory fintechs, Dickensian yeah. surveillance companies. What if companies. your landlord was your phone? That yeah, kind of stuff. stuff like yeah. this. Or even obvious scams. And this is... A refreshingly, almost innocently bird-brained company. Oh, nice. That's good. That's yeah. fun. Um, and so I had a really fun time researching it. They're not, and, so they're not um, evil,
3: they're stupid.
0: Uh, yeah, very much. Well, you know, I mean, if you have enough venture capital funding, what's the difference? Mm. Um, but in this case, it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost naive, I think. So I would huh. like you... And was like, It was a choice between two... It was this, or there was something called Cold Snap, which I think went around on Twitter too much, so I decided not to do it. Okay. I was so happy because now I get to introduce all of you to a company called, well, the company's called something else, but the product is called The Box.
2: Hmm. Huh. Well, sir, we just make boxes here. Yes. Go on.
3: I'm
0: intrigued. It it is a box. Is it round? Uh, And and you could put a pizza (laughs) in it. Well, mm. they also had a product called The Bag, but they've discontinued that. <laughs> the Bag was too powerful. People yeah. weren't ready for it. Uh, so no, Um, here is the first of it, the marketing copy. So you can tell me what you think it is. The box is not a product. The box is a service. Joe, what do you think that is based on that marketing copy?
1: The box is not a product. The box is a service. I mean, I mean, I feel like the... Tricky, Wait, right? Wait, did you in the beginning Did you say it was a fintech or
0: no? No, it's oh. what I'm saying is we've been we've done so many fintechs, predatory fintechs, and surveillance companies. No, no, this is
1: a. I mean, my first inclination would just be that it's mm. one of these things that you know, one of these million boxes that you get, but it must be more interesting than that.
3: It's oh, the, yeah. it's the Mister Bud's like mystery box.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: the box, the box. It's a loot crate. Uh, it could be used. In the transmission of a loot crate, yes, it is not itself a loot crate, but it could be used to the transmit one. Oh, it's the film seven. It's what's in the box? (laughs) What what is in the box? It's a severed head. That's what it is. (laughs) So, uh, the box represents a new generation of blank, intelligent, secure, and reusable. You know, like you know that YouTube trend that used to go around about mystery boxes, and like you would send a
3: box to someone, Mm. and like sometimes you would get like a PlayStation, and sometimes you'd get like a box of
2: bones. Yeah, yeah, from the show Bones. Intelligent,
1: <laughs> secure, and reusable. Mm-hmm.
2: It's a Wi-Fi connected condom that you wash out <laughs> and then. Oh,
0: <laughs> it I is still Wi-Fi connected. It. I, I, still, I <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh, I'm never completely wrong. <laughs> so I'll give you a hint. Okay. They, it's a European company, and uh, they heavily quote. Um, it's on a box their... full of
2: shoe polish. Next startup
0: <laughs> They they heavily quote on their front page the new EU directive that directs by 2030 all mm. packaging must be reusable or recyclable. Hmm. Um. Fucking all hell. All right. All right. I'm just gonna tell you all. Okay. Can I introduce you to the concept of packaging as a service? <laughs> Wait. What? Oh yeah. You know um how sometimes you have to if only
2: someone could package this.
0: Well, so it's um it's a box. It's a box. The box is a box. It's by a company called Living Packets. And it is a, me. It's called Living Packets. I'm that very sounds, funny.
2: That sounds like a sort of Australian phrase for like, if you're doing well, like, hey, oh, mate, I'm
0: living packets. <laughs> well, they are li- They are certainly living packets. Oh, yeah. Um, because they have made... They I'm going to start saying that on the podcast. <laughs> like, How are you doing? Oh, I'm living packets, living mate. Living packets, mate. Yeah. Uh, it, is, it is a box. It is a yeah. 32-liter box. Cool. Um, and it is reusable and incredibly high-tech, but for shipping stuff.
2: 32 liters is like a very specific size.
0: Uh, yeah, well it's um so it's a high-tech box for shipping that is loaded with every technology that this startup could think to put in it so that they could solve the problem of uh waste from people h- having boxes. Like people get ordering stuff and throwing stuff away. Right.
1: You know just it reminds me of you know I was thinking about this about 10 years ago like the wave of startups that we would see and they they pitch was always that X was fundamentally broken. They're like, oh, we think breakfast is fundamentally broken and we've reinvented breakfast (laughs) or we think reading a book is a fundamentally broken experience. So it sounds like they Mm. think that Boxes, shipping is a fundamentally broken experience that needs to be. They do. It's just
0: a guy on the front reading a book upside down. How do you do this? (laughs) So, basically, right, all of these companies where they say they're trying to revolutionize something like this, they'll all have the same figures that they Google. Like, eight billion tons of plastic gets put into the ocean. There's this many tons of CO2 that get expended from making cardboard, whatever, Mm. whatever. They quote all of those and they say their solution is a box that costs 200 euros. Yeah, um, great. Cool. But you can't own it. Living Packets owns it. And if you want to ship stuff to your customers, you're like an e-commerce business with the box. They'll send you one and you pay Living Packets 2 pa- 2 euros to like open it and then ship it.
3: So you're renting and, you're renting a box. Right. right. Well, you're renting yes, like processor, and you're also renting like
0: What What do customer do with the box after they get it? Oh, Joe! You've sort of um, you you've sort of you've sort of skipped to the end here because oh, sure. I'll tell you exactly what they've <laughs> done is they have spent um two hundred euros and st- two hundred euros on a box and millions millions more in R and D, adding sensors for temperature, humidity, shock, pressure, motion, and light, an internal camera, an external microphone, a built-in four G internet connection. By the way, you can an access
2: external microphone, yeah, so you, you can, can spy it- on people handling the box. Yes,
0: that's right. Uh, okay. So and you also <laughs> you ring doorbell, but for your box, <laughs> you can also call your box. Um, and cool. <laughs> Hello, just checking. <laughs> there's a digital e-ink display on its touchscreen interface displaying your address, so you can change it mid-delivery and really fuck someone's day up. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. It's oh, ju- an amazing prank where you just keep changing the. It never gets delivered because
2: <laughs> yeah. as soon like in a kind of like Sisyphian experience, <laughs> this delivery driver as soon as he reaches the
0: driveway, it's like the address changes. It's, it's the Z, that's Achilles and the tortle, basi- tor- tor- tortoise, basically. Uh, um, sure. So uh, it says there is also, uh, and there's like some of this stuff's not a bad idea. Like, yeah, it's uh, the box is yeah, adjustable. want to call the box. <laughs> <laughs> the box is adjustable inside, so like. 32 liters, yeah, you can still ship something of a, of whatever size inside it. Mm. It's on the blockchain for some reason. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, uh, we love that. Uh, the box chain. I don't know how. I don't know why. They don't say what actually it does. Nobody cared who I was before I rented the box. Uh, and uh, you also need to unlock the box with an app on your phone. So if, so you, if oh, an nice. e-commerce person sends you something in the box... And you don't have the app on your phone, you'll have to get the oh, app on is, your phone before you can open the box. A, this mm. is a very
3: classic cock cage hacker situation waiting to happen, right? <laughs> so, Sounds
0: good. Joe, on the on catch? To, so, okay, what's the greatest thing about online shopping? Wait, what's the main thing that distinguishes it from normal shopping?
1: I mean, you don't have to No go one out. judges
0: you for the hentai. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly, Joe. You don't have to go out. What do you think the catch is in having um, uh, all packaging be uh, completely reusable? Sounds like more work. Yeah, well, you have to go out, basically. They've created a version of online shopping where the transaction ends with you going back to the store. Oh, amazing. <laughs> that whips. <laughs> That's pretty cool, right?
2: This is, like, this is like the opposite of that Jerry Seinfeld bit. Yeah, like, you're, well, you're going out. Why are you going
0: out? We're uh, all so, here so
2: you don't have to go somewhere else.
0: Well, I, <laughs> so they basically say, right, it costs about 200 euros to make. You rent it for 2 euros a trip. And then oh, okay. it's rechar- You have to basically, it lasts for a thousand trips. Again, they claim none of this is audited.
2: It lasts for a thousand trips.
0: Yeah, that's what they say before okay. they have to recharge the box.
2: Recharge
0: the box? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you, it when my box runs out of battery. Of all of its many sensors. Again, I don't know why you need a light sensor on your box. Are you shipping the Mona Lisa? Also, uh, why not just manufacture it in such a way as like, the
2: user can recharge it?
0: Well, uh, because the, the user of the box. Uh, You've you've, you've been on this podcast for too long, Milo. Yeah, yeah. So they basically have a bunch of ideas to try to square that um, obvious, strange circle about how uh, they've created a shipping box that removes the main part of e-commerce from e-commerce. Yeah, okay. Where they say, look, if you receive a shipment that you want to return, you just have to push a button on the box to arrange a return to sender.
3: You could say that they've opened a Pandora's box for problems.
2: You could say that. You could say but when that. you normally return something to sender, you just write "return to sender" on it and like put it back in the mail. And you're gonna have to give this box back to someone. It's not gonna like grow legs and run out of your house. Like you're gonna You're still gonna have to do that.
0: Yes, at you some just point. won't need a pen. Yeah,
2: that's basically the only. I mean,
3: fundamentally, like the issue that I'm seeing is that if you're moving somewhere, and you know, we did a, we did a move recently, right? Like. The issue wasn't the boxes. The issue wasn't, like, how we put things in. The issue was everything else. Um,
2: Yeah, Yeah, the issue was that we're all podcasters. That's
3: right. Um, And everyone who who I know who has moved, like, they all kind of say the same thing, which is, like, yeah, the problems was, like, the logistics, not the box. So it's kind of like you're picking on the one thing that is generally fine for the most part, unless you are, like, shipping... Like really high. You value
2: imagine this off? conversation you'll have where they're like, well, Hussein, the thing people always tell you about moving is that the problem is the
0: boxes. But those <laughs> people couldn't be any more wrong. <laughs> well, it, it, the, well, while this is, this is for shipping specifically, it's, it's, they say it would probably be too expensive to move your stuff with it because to use the box, you have to pay the company two euros. So to open the box to move stuff from your house to another house, that's two-euro bill. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, but if you have an empty unit of the box, you can use it to ship something else. So I guess start an Etsy store because now you have this smart box that's in your house. Or you can return it to the shop and get a reward for it. So there you go. That's the main thing. Uh, Wait, so you have the option to just not return it? Well, then you. I guess you kind of have to... Th- they haven't really thought... Because the thing is, they have not really thought about this. They're trying to produce 100,000 of these in their factory in Germany. And another comparable company in Finland that's done something similar uh, has assumes it loses uh, uh, up over 25% of its... Uh, inventory, which would make this company, which has spent all of its money on unnecessary sensors, so, completely unviable. Is there
1: some kind of e-commerce right now? Like, I'm trying to come up with the best case for it. Is there some kind of e-commerce right now where there's just an incredible amount of loss due to not being able to track, call the package in real time?
0: I, I was, tr- I was trying to think of some of this myself. Like, maybe maybe, like, extremely high-value stuff, potentially. Mm-hmm. But even then, th- those tend to be sort of shipped in, in couriers. They don't yeah. know what they have. And, and the anonymity of the packaging tends to be a protective factor. Right. Yeah. And well, The Russian Postal Service. Yeah, double, yeah. <laughs> You just get to phone up your
2: parcel, which you know has been at a sorting office in Moscow for eight weeks, and then there's, like, some woman there on the phone to you who's like... Um, and you still don't receive it. Yeah. Um, they, they like,
0: they beat your box with a series of bats until it shuts <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I, the thing is The the use case for this honestly is basically just It needs to be adopted at scale By everyone immediately So that they're just sort of they, they It's a bunch of, like uh, lots of tech companies They use a bunch of crazy metaphors They say they want the box to be the red blood cells Of the economy Excuse me? Yeah, you know <laughs> Full of hemoglobin
2: yeah, The they- <laughs> one thing we know about boxes They love to carry oxygen to the brain Something which these people could do some more of yeah. In my opinion
0: Um and so they, uh, they basically so they basically say, because it, it kind of actually does work if they're yeah. everywhere. And so you're always getting deliveries of this and you can always give back that version to that guy and so on and so on. If it replaces cardboard immediately and they immediately become the Amazon of packaging as a service or whatever, I guess it kind of works until you remember that they, lose, they can expect to lose 25% of their inventory. And um, also like two euros per go is a lot. Sorry, go... What's that, Joe?
1: I, said, I think I'm becoming a... I think you guys are selling me out. <laughs> <laughs> I, think you
0: know, so, well, I think you
1: guys are... Uh, I, I'm turning into a box ball. I want to get in on the next round.
0: Here's the, here's the thing, Joe. You used to be able to invest directly in the box oh. until uh, friends of the podcast, BaFin, stepped in and stopped that from happening. <laughs> invest directly in the box. Well, so basically, they had a program called the Sharing Angels program... Mm. Where if you invested right. a uh, between, that sounds like a pedophilia ring, I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> you, if you invested between five and ten thousand euros, they were saying you'll get five times your capital back. Okay. See,
1: that's <laughs> that sounds like, like a that's a little bit of a red flag to me. Yeah. <laughs> the, Why? When they sort of when they tell you in advance what your returns are going to be, that's kind of. I'm, yeah. I'm looking. I'm Hello. looking over
2: to the Trash Future lawyer here as I think of what shape in my mind that brick. You know, like what kind of what which of the classic shapes that we all know, like just springs into my mind's
0: eye as you tell me about uh, that rate of return.
2: Yeah, yeah, some kind of cone, <laughs>
0: like, a, like, yeah. a, like a like a like an inclined plane. Uh, yeah Like it it's reminds a, me of Egypt for some reason. Two, I don't know why. <laughs> two inclined planes leaning up against one another, and there's a plan around that. Yeah, uh, yeah no, something but, like that. There <laughs> might be a little pharaoh inside, like that so kind of a that kind is, of a shape. So
3: like, what, this is, I mean, what, what, is really, what is what is like a coffin. What is a uh, shit, what was it? what is Tutankhamun? Except for like a box, anyway. Yeah,
0: that's right. Mm. It's just mm. it's just a. That's who you could put in the box as a mummy. Uh, So this that's why I thought I was was delighted and surprised. And this is what really locked it in for me that we were going to do this one today. When I saw on their FAQ page the entry... What are your problems with BaFin? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and so basically what it was, was the reason that they, predi- that they predicted what your return would be for investing in them. I actually, I don't think it's any kind of a, a scheme at all. I think they were just so optimistic and blind to the problems of their own product that they decided, well, we expect that it's, each one could be made a, a, thousand, to, a thousand times. And so and so, you're going to get approximately five times profit on your... Inv- like, they did some math with their own rosy projections. Yeah. And then just published that as investment advice. Just, there you go. Um, cool.
1: Yeah. Just look, I, I'm on the website now. It's a cool-looking box.
0: Yeah. yeah. I told you, this is a pro box podcast. We just, we're trying yeah. to help them.
1: Yeah, I'm pro box, though.
0: Yeah. I'm getting a very Fortnite vibe from this company. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, so um, uh, Loot Crates of the Future, uh, please... Uh, you consider using the box if you want to create a whole bunch of extra journeys that don't need to if happen. If you
2: invest in our company, you will so totally get an epic assault rifle. Like, I can't right. stress that
0: enough. Um, so I, I'd like to, I'd like to move us move us on a little bit from uh, from the box. Uh, we've all invested uh, just before, or we were going to before, <laughs> right yeah. before uh, everyone enemies. hears this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> before uh, en- enemies of the podcast buff in. Have once again shut down one of our friends. Free Marcus Brown. Free Marcus Brown, find Jan Marzalek. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, where is Jan Marzalek?
0: <laughs> um, no, so, uh, this is. Find the man
2: who killed Jan Marzalek. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's alive, isn't he? We found that out. Yeah, um, so, against all the odds, a man who wait, I wait, thought I was in an oil drum for I- sure. Did
0: we find out he's alive? I don't think we found I out think he was he alive. He's alive.
2: Wasn't he found somewhere?
0: Wait, Joe, do Jan Marzalek
2: remember- alive in Serbia. Joe,
0: do you remember if Jan Marzalek is alive? I don't know who that is. Oh, Never mind uh, the the, the, CO, the CO the COO the COO of Wirecard. Oh yeah, I
1: right. Um, yeah. We're
2: yeah, just big know. fanboys of financial criminals on this podcast, Joe.
1: I don't know what's happening with them. I feel like that story. Uh, I wish like I had a better. I wish I had a better understanding of it. I feel like. Well, uh, oh,
0: so yeah. do they, Joe. So do they. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of speaking of uh, of Wirecard, uh, I want to sort of move on to a little bit of. Uh, TF Macro. Because it is very popular in the hallowed halls of this podcast to talk about a couple of things. One is the way in which the broader economy, you might even call it the relations of production, is failing to uplift the standards of the vast majority of the people living in it, despite an abundance of productivity or value or whatever you want to define it as. And I think that's pretty much tantamount to a brute fact at this point. And two the way in which that economic setup is unsustainable. And given that the world still takes over and the markets continue to go up, mm. the, second, the second point is a circle that needs squaring. And that's what we do here on TF Macro. And I think, Joe, we were, when we were talking about doing this before this, yeah. I was thinking about financial crises and why we've made Elon Musk the richest person in history, and he will be for a while, because something at some point in the last 50 years or so flipped the economy switch from functional to stupid. Effectively.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think another way to put it is that at some point in the last 50 or 40 years, um, the financial markets went from being a reflection of the real economy to being a driver of the real economy. And so, you know, it's this cliche people often say, like, oh, the stock market isn't the economy. The stock market is the economy. And in fact, what happens in the stock market often precedes what happens in the so called Real uh, day to day economy, and so much more of like, you know, just sort of living and buying and consuming is downstream from what happens in financial markets more broadly, whether it's the stock market or uh, credit markets. And I think that, like, is sort of what you're describing is sort of the, is essentially that phenomenon.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think it's, that's one of the reasons why I think it's sort of so instructive to think about sort of the, the history of, of crisis, how we've responded to them, and how our responses to those crises have kind of continually bred the world we live in today. Yes. You could even controversially say that uh, it has been one long crisis. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think, you know, it's easy to say, if you think about today, right, it's easy to say we're in a bubble because prices are high. In fact, um, Lawrence McDonald tweeted a number that some bulls might f- uh, find slightly troubling. So there's a ratio... <laughs> Yes, he tweeted a red, a red, I, he tweeted the red number. He tweeted the red number. Yeah. Um, so there's a ratio called price to peak sales, where yeah. it's one of a billion uh, valuation ratios that looks at basically how much larger the market capitalization of a given firm is um, than its uh, sort of the peak sales that it's, it's had recently. Mm. And, um, and 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 th- I can I can see how this relates to Tesla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he he pointed out that in 2000. Some of the like some of the the, the dot com boom um, poster children such as Cisco, Qualcomm, Microsoft, and Incel, In- um, Intel, 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 who did the uh, the thong song, yes, that guy, uh, were at like thirty, were like thirty one times their value, something okay. around there. This is on and, a price and, to know, sales basis. Yeah, yeah, it was a good song. I can see why. Like it, it was you know t- track of the early
2: two thousands for me.
0: And 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 then he he points out that a coterie of various you know energy firms and electric car manufacturers are considerably above that. When, t- when Tesla was at 22 times when he tweeted it, I just looked at it again, and it's now well over 30 times. <laughs> um, cool. But you know the, price, the prices of these things, these things that are driving the real economy, they're sort of like Newtonian bodies. They're always moving relative to one another. And just because prices are high doesn't mean that's what the crisis is. Right. And so what I guess I'm driving at here is that the crisis is more than just number go too far up. It's mm. a kind of an interlocking set of things, Right.
1: I think that's exactly right. I mean, you know, I think there's obviously the discrete crises that we've had from time to time over the last several decades. There was the crisis of that, uh, the economic crisis and the health crisis that dominated much of 2020. Um, there was the great financial crisis, 2008, 2009. Before that, I guess there was the uh, collapse of the uh, dot-com bubble. Those are crises. But then I think the broader thing is the sort of um, the lack of income, the lack of sort of private sector or any sector um, income to households and the compensation that households have had to engage in via financial market speculation to compensate for the lack of um, productive income. And I think that's sort of like the bigger crisis that, um, you know, I don't know if everyone would characterize it as a crisis, but it's certainly the sort of dominant theme i mean we talk about it all the time on our podcast guests mm-hmm. from all different um angles end up essentially coming in a way to that view that financial markets end up compensating for a lack of household income
0: basically yeah it, and in fact there's um the the episode of odd lots that i would recommend to listeners of tf who want to sort of understand this kind of thing more is one from September. It's called How All Financial Markets Turned into mm-hmm. the Same Big Trade. And what, with the story that we, that is told essentially on that one is that at, at base, right, that as inequality sort of skyrocketed, yeah. as fewer people had money to spend, the people with money realized that they made much more money just by making their stuff more expensive and making their stuff more expensive. And, and so they, at the root of why the economy is stupid is inequality, or at least that's the thesis that's discussed in that episode.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. It's kind of this weird situation in which, again, you know, we talk on our podcast to people who are sort of like more left heterodox types um, who are economists. We also talk to a lot of traders who may have the exact opposite perspective and they're really angry about the Fed, and they hate the perception that the government is- Because they love the pump. Yeah, they they hate the idea that the government is intervening in markets, or they think that's somehow unnatural, but it still ends up as this sort of, um, they all end up arriving at kind of the same conclusion that we have this sort of inequality, that there's this massive inequality that that depresses Mm. consumption because people who have a lot of money don't spend as much of their income as people who- don't have a lot of money. So inequality creates um, weak growth. People compensate for that by buying financial assets. Then, as you know, mentioned, the idea that the economy is downstream from financial assets. So central banks are very sensitive to declines in financial markets. They feel the need to ease policy every time there's a little bit of a crash or a hiccup that ends up redounding back to the benefit of people who have the assets, who are the rich, who don't spend it as much, and so you end up in this cycle, which is exactly, I think, what you're describing, where uh the only uh solution is um higher
0: acid. Yeah. And and that kind of and, and and that sort of creates these situations where, you know, there's the um I mean it's I mean, without almost being too glib about it, right? Sure. Like I I sort of I sort of tend one of the reasons I like to sort of talk about these sort of silly products up front is to also underscore that like these sort of quite, you know, wild ideas are getting funded to the tune of, you know, like, like millions or in some cases like hundreds. Like there was yeah. a SoftBank company, a company that SoftBank invested in called um, View. Do we, you all remember View? right? Mm-hmm. They were the ones with the like
2: the windows with the different, you could change the views. Yeah, it, was, it was like a screen.
0: It was a window that told you what the weather was like. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, but where this would be, where that kind of thing would attract this like, this thing that is obviously just so unnecessary to like the day-to-day flourishing of anyone would attract all of this money because at some at some point sort of capital if you want to call it that realize like oh it's i may I, I i do better um by making this by putting like by basically owning this box that's the win not the box but this like window <laughs> this is a different box for different legal box. reasons it's not the same box uh, owning this like um Window that tells you if it's raining. Um, that's right. And then Which just a regular window could never, no, could do. never do that. No. And then sort of snapping my fingers and sort of by consensus having that be this like incredibly valuable thing. Mm. And that, that's how I'm sort of achieving returns on my investment. I'm not even bothering doing things that people need anymore. It's just sort of it becomes a, a smoke and mirror game. And the window that tells you if it's raining is almost a a byproduct of this strange financial logic.
1: You know, it's funny, like, it's you know, there's not much inflation in developed economies these days, but if you talk to really wealthy people, or if you talk to macro hedge fund managers, they're always warning about it, they're always worried about it, or they're claiming that there is actually a lot of inflation, but it's understated. And a big part of me wonders, it's like, maybe in their world, there just is a lot of inflation in the things that they buy, whether it's investments in companies, whether it's real estate in really expensive areas or
2: Adrenochrome has gone through the roof they recently. See, oh my uh, you know, god! They just
1: see a lot of inflation in the real world. And it's not really um, picked up in most consumer uh, goods, but maybe it's just because that's what they see. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's that they the, if you're desperate to put money in places and everyone's racing to the same Hamptons or Central London right. or New York penthouses or whatever yeah the prices the pri- prices of stuff that will never get used or set foot in is skyrocketing mm-hmm. because and it's not just make and it's not that other people are starving because the, the those prices are skyrocketing it's that those prices are skyrocketing because those other people are starving it's a strange mm-hmm. backwards logic to the sort of intuitive way you'd think about it
1: yeah it, it really is i and I think this is something that's like really crystallized you know one thing about twenty twenty and You know, it's sort of broken everyone's brains to some extent that we had this huge Mm. economic crisis and then the stock market, you know, some indices are 40% and Elon Musk became the richest person in the world thanks to the rally in Tesla. And I, I think like, you know, 2020 I see as like this big acceleration event where all of these trends that had been building up to 2020, we did like 10 years worth of economic progress in the span of one year or in the span of nine months, really. And so this idea that immiseration and um, high asset values go hand in hand and that in the, with the lack of consumption, with the lack of income, the more wealthy people, the more, the more uh, people will pay for financial assets, which are, of course, claims on future income streams, you have this scarcity of income overall in the economy, which makes any income stream inherently more valuable in that scarcity. And so, you know, it kind of breaks people's brains to see what happened in 2020. But if you understand that dynamic, that inequality and scarcity of income is what causes people to pay up for a financial asset for a future income stream, it kind of makes perfect sense.
0: Mm. Yeah, exactly. So actually, uh, Hussein, I'm interested to hear sort of what your reaction is to all this. I
1: mean, I,
3: f- I feel like Joe kind of said what I was going to say about because I don't know, I will. I feel like I was also one of those people that was kind of confused. I'm not like a fight. Like I, I don't. I, I'm gonna like be upfront, obviously, and be like, I, 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 I've struggled to kind of figure out like what the hell is going on, um, and why like you have kind of like stock, stock market values that are so high, and like why real estate prices and like London's going up. Like I, I live in like one of like the kind of least wealthy areas of Southeast London and yet like houses um, are kind of like veering towards like half a million plus and like that's done so in like within the space of two years it's like really wild and it's like a type of growth that a lot of people um, even like people like like real estate agents and stuff have never really seen before so I can com- I completely get I completely like agree that like yeah 2020 was acceleration and, like I didn't I didn't think about it in terms of because you know You can see it you could see it in terms of like discourse, you could see it in terms of like politics and stuff. I didn't really think about it in terms of like finance. So that's really interesting too. I guess like the question that I really have is that like, well, if you have an economy that's like sort of built on zombie credit and like stuff that doesn't seem like it's slowing down, at least from like my my half an hour of research before the show, like well, how you know, I've been seeing on like blogs that there's this thing about there's this consensus like this will kind of end at some point. And when it does, it's gonna be really bad and it's gonna be like like a fraction well, of what 2008 was like. But I don't know, I don't know. Is that like over egging it or like overinflating it?
1: I think it's probably over egging it. I mean, people, you know, it's like the problem with claims like that, it's like, oh, this is gonna end and it'll be really bad, is like to some extent it's non-disprovable. Like it, you know, unless you have like a sort of real prediction, who knows? I mean, there are ways out of this, is the thing. And so you have this situation where people talk about like, oh, the Fed is uh keeps inflating asset values and that's what revives the economy and then that creates more inequality that creates weaker growth etc i mean we have a way out and the answer is it's kind of boring but the answer is uh fiscal policy spending the government spending money to i was gonna say that like we should yeah
3: i was gonna say that like one solution could be that we like make boxes round
1: oh that's the other solution (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I, like, I think economists would are split between whether we should spend more money, supply households with more money, or just make boxes round. But I, I think we could go back; we could go yeah. either way.
2: That's basically the Mister Burns economic scenario. <laughs> it's just like, well, well, you could either have universal basic income or
0: this round box. <laughs> again, the, the round box also is kind of a poster child for this event because that is what a uh, Zoom. Uh, SoftBank's uh, Amazon of food that's the only product they ever made <laughs> was uh, after being valued at over a billion for having a van mm. they created a round pizza box and then promptly went out of business when Look, I, all we'll I can we'll, tell you uh, is
2: I don't have a van and I've never been worth a billion dollars so based on that logic
0: <laughs> based water on that logic. Tight. Like whenever, a whenever
3: I see a, ra- a van that sells uh, round pizza boxes I think respect
0: but exactly. no, Joe, uh, Joe. I think like what what yeah. you were saying is like that's exactly that's exactly right, right? Like the solution to this is w- if we keep pushing that monetary button and keep trying to solve it with interest rates, right. then you know you're you're we uh, are going to you're not really going to ever solve this problem. You might keep it ticking over for another day, but unless you put money in people's pockets so that they can spend it, right. and unless you get it there with politics, then I don't really see a way out myself.
1: Yeah, I mean this is sort of like the conclusion that more and more people are coming to that the the way out is politics and the way, and unfortunately we have no way of sort of putting money into people's pockets without politics. Like it has, you know, we, everyone sort of dreams of the technocratic solution to do it like some sort of like automatic spending program, or why don't we all have um, bank accounts at the federal reserve or, the Bank of England, where <laughs> money just appears <laughs> uh, appears in our account by some like board somewhere. Like, but in the end, like there has to be a decision that the answer to downturns is spending is putting more spending power in the hands of the private sector, or and, sorry, mm-hmm. in the fa- mm-hmm. in the hands of um, households specifically and lower income households more specifically who have a higher propensity to spend so that that money will actually go somewhere. But it's a political decision and there's like there's no like there's no uh one 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 trick. Or what was the old like clickbait thing? They're like
2: it's one, one weird trick. trick. Yeah. yeah, well, there's no Fed, one. Weird Fed trick governors hate yet. her. Yeah, like,
1: <laughs> you have to make that decision. Yeah.
2: But like the log- local mom is stimulating the economy <laughs> with her uh, groups of uh, uh, commerce hungry milfs. <laughs> <laughs> but like the logic sort
3: of like going against that because I don't know, like, you know, there's lots of kind of talk at least like here about like another like uh, you know a and like an impending austerity program that's going to come like post COVID and everything and like i'm pretty sure that was quite likely to happen in the u.s as well any
2: yeah
3: any kind of like bipartisan agreement is going to be one which is like yeah like tax cuts for wealthy like people and maybe we'll kind of like set the bar a bit lower but like we're still going to do like an austerity program because now the GOP like will decide
1: to be like, it might not happen. I mean like, you know, there's a, obviously in the U S we don't really know what's going to happen, but uh, for the first time in a long time, there isn't going to be like a pro austerity opposition that controls a part of government. Now, of course there are pro austerity people within uh, the democratic party, but a, I think they are weakened compared to where they were 10 years ago, coming out of the great financial crisis. And now anytime someone suggests something like that, um, you know, that would weaken labor bargaining power or anything like that, they get uh, really browbeaten on Twitter and people <laughs> complain about them. So you never know, like maybe um, like long term, it's a dangerous bet to think like, oh, something is fundamentally going to change. But I do mm-hmm. think that, you know, we're used to these situations where every downturn it in some way becomes a de facto opportunity to weaken, um, weaken labor. Which is arguably like the story mm. of the last forty-five years. Every downturn is somehow like met with that. It's not guaranteed that this one will be. Maybe that, maybe, so that's, that's, maybe that's too optimistic.
0: Let's talk about let's talk a little bit about history then. Yeah. Um, I, oh I actually no. I've written here uh, sort of notes from the last three cri- Well, this this current sort of slow world crises in the last two. But I think we could even go back to like we want to say 45 years, you know, we could go back to the, uh, the 1970s, the oil crisis and the first... Oil crises, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> the, that first crisis where, you know, we, our, our response was to weaken organized labor. where We kind of... I, I always see that moment as sort of the, the ball is set in motion. Mm. Um, and then that leads us to the first crisis for which I have notes, which is the dot-com crisis in 2000.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So, sort of what, as I understand it, that was uh, a big, almost like a Great Depression style equity bubble where everyone was excited about pets.com and everyone had their. uh, Some of us still are, Riley. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Holding on to my stock. um, So, for each of of these, I'm saying sort of what happened, what was the poster child, what was the biggest scam, and what was the vehicle through which it happened. So, as I understand it, and Joe, please correct me if I'm wrong here, 2000, we have a big equity bubble because everyone's (laughs) excited about. About Web 1.0 tech, they're excited that Pets.com yeah. is going to sell you a dog collar. If only someone would ship it in a box where they could have a camera. Yeah, a round box. Yeah, a Round camera box. And the biggest scam was, I imagine, Enron. And the vehicle through which all this happened was equity. It was stocks. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Uh, what do you do? You sort of have any, any particular like? Because you were sort of covering. Yeah. You, you do you have any memory? You were covering finance sort of at this time, right?
1: Well, I wasn't covering finance because I was. Uh, Nineteen, but I was actually trading penny stocks at the time, and that's partly how I paid for college. But the one thing that like I remember about that time is like people always refer to it as the dot com bubble or the internet bubble or whatever. But it was, I would say, it is actually more, and it was just like people were just insanely optimistic about everything, which was sort of poor timing, and then things got really bad um, in all kinds of ways soon thereafter. But there was just like. The clean energy stocks which we're actually seeing a rally and now led by tesla but others those were like flying back in 1999 like all sorts of things just seemed possible and like the beauty of enron was like nobody knew what it did except it was just going to make everything like way more efficient and they uh they you know they did all kinds of stuff like they had a uh tr- broadband trading business they're like oh we're gonna like Broadband itself is going to be this commodity that people would trade like oil and people got super excited about that because the
2: market <laughs>
1: network really well, electric. Say, how much broadband
2: like, do you have, kiddo? I mean, people just get super excited. I bought excited. 50 gallons. And
1: that was like, that was the whole thing. I mean, then it sort of like crash, you know, then there was the crash. And then, of course, the real recession came after nine eleven and the war. But, um, but that was like 1999, 2000. I mean, people thought there was going to be peace in the Middle East. In a way that I think no one has been optimistic Uh. about since. Like, people were just positive on everything at that time. Also, the '90s were really good, and so maybe it was just sort of like the euphoric end to a pretty good
0: decade. We had Stuart Little. Yeah, everything. It it was an entire an entire decade where just. Just because of economic conditions, everyone was basically on ecstasy. Yeah,
2: People were much, just like, yeah, Israel and Palestine are going to get along. A mouse can drive a car. Like, I'm going to do cocaine and write a sitcom. Why not? But there was
1: the also the, uh, I mean, the, uh, the Segway, uh, which was, you know. Oh, yeah. Off, that was 99 or 2000. And that was like the same Killed thing. Oh, own we're all gonna be, all, cities are going to be reoriented, was the belief, around the Segway. And we're all going to be like riding around on scooters. It kind of did come true 20 years later. But like people are just excited about everything.
0: What's so strange about that is you can see kind of rhymes with that in the sort of in elements of the, the tech hype economy today, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. There's this idea that, um, for example, something like Tesla, it's like, if you ask its devotees, like, oh, no, 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 it's not even a car company. The cars are a sideshow. It's a battery company. It's a charging infrastructure company. And mm. really, it's just a company that sells um, carbon credits but there is this idea that it's going to create these new industries and therefore is justifying this ludicrous valuation i've
1: been um, thinking like about this exact parallel because i do think that there is just this with some of these uh, tech companies just this like really excited you know enthusiasm about this like total new world it's kind of like hyper optimistic but there's also i would say and i think you see it in a lot of the enthusiasm around uh, bitcoin as well there's also like this like it's like optimistic cynicism or optimistic pessimism because there's like an edge to it because people are excited about this new thing. But the excitement is also inherently oppositional. It's like the old thing is deeply corrupt, like fiat money is deeply corrupt, or the existing energy infrastructure is deeply corrupt. So even though like people are very excited about this new stuff, it's also like comes with this like hostile edge. And I think like even the whole Elon me, the whole Elon cult, there is like this like, hostile edge towards incumbents to it. And I don't think that existed in the same way in the 1999-2000 bubble.
0: If we want to talk really even about like, but here's my, my sort of crackpot theory about where that edge came from is in fact, the next crisis, the, the mm. 2008 crisis, because yeah. Yeah. there is, if we talk about like the entire economy, basically being on ecstasy in the late 90s or early 2000s, Hell a yeah, lot of those know. same assumptions have carried over, like the idea that well, the sort of tech that there's a perma bull um, opinion about like the five biggest winners in the S and P 500. Never mind the other 495. There's sort a of moribund. Um, mm. There's this, but there, but there is it is as you say tinged with this like so it was of, almost anger or uh, contempt for the dum dums who don't understand yeah. and didn't get in.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I, I think some of that kind of comes from being conditioned by 2008. So, in the same vein, you could say, what happened? Well, it was a debt bubble, a credit crisis. The poster child was like Bear Stearns or Lehman Brothers. The biggest scam was Madoff. And the vehicle, this time, was like collateralized debt obligations, which was like ways of sort of selling on toxic mortgages and pretending that they were fine that a lot of, that caused a, a whole systemic collapse. It was putting mortgages in a big box, <laughs> yeah, exactly. in a way, in a big special box With that the said, these
2: mortgages, oh boy, are they
0: safe and good. <laughs> And so, like, it, in, in the same way, right? You know, the um, it is, it's it, the, the, the yes, we 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 learned um on mass, right? Yeah, you know, you know that of course the dot com crash happened, and then in two thousand eight, there's the other crash. Doesn't just affect investors; it affects basically everyone and everything.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, like, you know, for all of the flu- for all of the bad things that happened in nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, like the internet was really exciting, and it turned out that actually people were not optimistic enough because you had, the internet ended up arguably being a much bigger deal over the next couple of decades and completely reorienting life beyond what I think right we up. realized in 1999, 2000. I think like in 2007, 2008, the financial crisis, there was nothing to get really excited about. There turned out to be like the sort of bubble that crashed, but there was no like really great thing that came, that was being built out. It was, just, it, was, it was like just the money without the pretense of a transformation or good things to come out of it. It was just money.
0: Yeah, because in 2000, it was a promise to invent the future, yeah. and then in 2008, it was, oh, this basic thing that you need to survive, it turns out you can't have it, Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's right. You can't. Yeah. So get over it. Yeah so, get, yeah, so go retrain, learn to code in Ex- that industry exactly. that collapsed eight years ago. Yeah,
2: that's, that's correct. Um, I mean, this is ultimately what happens when you let a British guy design the future.
0: It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it, tur- it turns out it was the same guy that made Triumph. The c- yeah. cars you have to repair every ten minutes. It's also funny. Like I've only I've only realized this recently, right? By talk as
2: I as like as uh, in my later twenties, I've just spent more time with more Americans. How like people in America like had the internet in two thousand, like no one in Britain did. <laughs> like it just was not like I. I think we got the internet in like. 2004 and I think maybe, yeah and then like maybe there were some people had it before that
0: but it was like only dial up before yeah, that it was, it was a tech company that was just a cart a, a faster cart for your horse
2: <laughs> yeah exactly and so you get the, like I just like meet people I like, remember being on the internet in 1997 and I'm like excuse me yeah, like I in do. Britain we were still like I don't know going to dog races you were, then. Literally, trading, like,
0: well, <laughs> you were literally trading penny stocks with pennies that's right. Yeah, <laughs> we were just
2: throwing coins at one another. That's um, what we were doing.
0: So, um but so we 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 sort of talked to death about the 2007 crisis, yeah. uh 2007 2008 crisis sort of throughout sort of in our show throughout the
2: 2007 our- to present crisis. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well, because many many people would say that the real crisis in 2007 was the uh was the deaf um amount of indie music in uh, in the That's UK. Right. It's full yeah, of it just full too of, much indie. Just full of like forgetful forgettable um landfill indie. Who's I feel like I feel like uh, block- the
2: Kooks, block- Razorlight, Libertines.
3: I think Block Party think released a great album in 2007, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, block Party. Yeah.
0: yeah, they're not they're not indie though, really, in that sense. I wouldn't it's say uh, it's it's you can you can track I think the mood of Europe on the basis of what the house music is like <laughs> because it oh, yeah. was before 2007. Alvin Van Buren. Yeah, before 2007, it was really ecstatic, sort of uh, soulful, lots of like high female vocals about having a good time. And it was all like from Ibiza and the Balearics and stuff. And then after 2007, Dubstep gets huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember Centipede? <laughs> no, but um. Yeah. so. I guess that was kind of drum and bass. So but we're, but we, we, we talk about these crises, right? And arguably the 2007 8 one is still going on because we never, we never solved it by giving those people back their essentials they needed for living.
2: I just want to be a stand up comedian. I have so many jobs. <laughs> <laughs> all of which are each more online than the
0: last. So, um, and that you can say, like, what we're dealing with right now, right? From where I'm sitting, it's that this, the solution to the 2007 crisis kind of created another version of the 2000 crisis. But because there's just all this free money floating around, it's, it's just, as we were talking about sort of towards the beginning of the segment, it's just driving all of these asset prices up, but where no one else has any money. Right. Right. And if we want to talk about right, the poster child where we had Bear Stearns and pets.com, yeah, it's you know, Tesla, SoftBank, cryptocurrency, or just assets generally, just all of them. Yeah. Amstrad.
1: Well, yeah. you know, the other thing that's sort of like the, the degree of like to which asset ownership, asset buying has like pervaded the culture. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen anything like it really since the late 90s. That was the, the, that was the last time people like really like talked about stocks in the way they do now. And that's individual uh, speculations, individual stocks were a thing, but like you just see it all over. I mean, like you like go through, go on Instagram and you get ads for like, invest in this car, like own a, own a fraction of a rare Lamborghini or own, mm. like you just see it all, you know, the, the sort of um, turning everything into an asset that you can sort of own has become just such a part of the culture. And even like something like Tesla, the, I, the stock and the car are like co-branded. It's like it's all part of the same story in a way. It's not, you know, it's like I feel like in a, in a different era, people might have gotten like really excited about a car and the stock would be sort of this afterthought or other people or maybe people on Wall Street would talk about the stock and it'd be separate things. It's all the same story. The product and the asset are essentially they're, they're, they're paired together.
2: If you go to trashus.co.uk slash shop, you can buy a fraction of this busy. <laughs> you
0: can you can buy a shirt. That's a fraction of this show. Yeah. Um, no, but it's I think that's part of that also, right, is the wanting to be involved. You know, it's it's we're changing the world and we're taking it away from what it was. We want to be we want we want to build that future and we happen to be a bunch of Reddit dorks and so <laughs> we we wanna build Elon Le Musk's version future. of the future. We want to build the epic future. And, um, you know, I think, you know, if you say what's the biggest scam, I, I cannot legally refer to supply chain finance as a scam, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so just write that down. Yeah. We
2: haven't done that. Yeah. If you were thinking that supply chain finance is a scam because it looks like a scam, sounds like a scam and functionally might seem to behave like a scam. Don't think that it's not. because
0: legally that isn't true. <laughs> um, and then the vehicle, right? CDOs. Wait, again, we don't know what the vehicle is going to be. Um, It's going to be a Tesla. Yeah. Well, I think maybe SPACs. um, Because Uh. I I found this quote. and I think this one comes up when people talk about SPACs. In 1711, at the height of the South Sea bubble, an investment opportunity was promoted. And this was the prospectus, quote, for carrying on an undertaking of great advantage, but no one to know what it is.
1: Yeah. No, I love that. Amazing. Uh, One of the classic lines, and that's literally... Literally, what uh, specs are? People put their money with uh, someone or some group of people that they trust for some reason, and they count on them to go out and make a bunch of money to make a good deal. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think if you want to talk about like just the the excitement of like infinite. Of infinite credit in 2008, of infinite growth in 2000, it's the same thing. Well, we just want to get in on assets and we assume someone else knows what asset to get into. So just here, yeah. get me into something. Yeah. Um, That's all right. And the funny thing is, I, I was, because, I, I, because I'm, a, I'm a cool guy, I was reading um, a prospectus by a company called Easterly Alternatives. You're a cool guy? Uh, For you. Joe, have you, have, you, have you seen the Easterly Alternatives no, uh, prospectus? I haven't. They have launched. A spack of spacks.
1: Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, a, yeah. A, a human spac
0: They have launched a human <laughs> spac <SPAC-apede. laughs> um, And uh, at the same time, I saw there was an article that um, the University of Pennsylvania has a student SPAC awareness club
1: <laughs> for students oh, to
0: talk nice. promote Great. how much... You got yeah.
1: to have, have campus awareness about SPACs. That's, a real, it's, that's it's, really important.
3: But crucially, is this like something that's set up by like... By a SPAC or is it kind of a bunch of nerdy students that like run every like investment finance society in like Ivy League universities or like Russell Group universities or whatever? Because I feel like the latter is a lot worse. Uh,
0: from what I've read about it, it appears to be the latter, and God. it's it's something that sort of brings up that endless um the 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 endless uh, aphorism that you always hear, which is when your shoe shine boy is giving you advice about the market, consider getting out. Right, so look, I think you, you, we can't set the, this. The point that no crisis is similar to any any other crisis to the point where you can say in the middle, even that it's a crisis. We might look back in five years and say, well, the 2020s crisis started the day coronavirus hit, or maybe it started when you know interest rates went to zero, or maybe it started some other time, mm. and maybe maybe spacs were the problem, maybe the what 5.4 trillion like corporate debt load globally is the problem. We don't really know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is a really important uh, point, which is the essentially the impossibility of knowing where you are in the cycle in real time. And People always look for indicators. So, like, oh, the students at Pennsylvania are launching a stack of specs, You're like, this must be the top, and then it gets ten times crazier. I mean, I remember, I think it was like 2012 or 2011. I like, I think Fortune Magazine put like Justin Bieber on the cover as like as a VC investor. Like, Justin Bieber is making tech investments. And like at the time you could have looked at that and said, "Well, this is the top." Like, you know, obviously if they're putting Justin Bieber on the cover as a VC investor, that must be the top. And then of course, things got exponentially bigger and crazier since then. So I do think there is essentially this this impossibility of knowing in real time what the thing was, whether it was the vehicle that caused the next crisis, whether it was the top of a bubble or whether it's the beginning of a bubble. You don't know only in retrospect. And you look back on something and say oh yeah that was that was clearly at the top
0: and and i think the the key thing here right and if, if i could sort of if, if i have kind of one thing that i always tend to think of right it's it, it's try to understand kind of why why crises rather than why this crisis or that crisis or what's this crisis or what's that crisis why are there crises mm. and i mean if you're uh if you're if you're a marxist like i am you'd say well that's built in from the you know the, the 17th century the linen the, the linen coat pricing and the organic composition of capital. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you can if you're if you're just sort of a more lefty heterodox, you sort of look at that just long run inequality and sort of moribund the moribund finances of just regular ass people, and you know <laughs> you sort of come to that same conclusion, yeah. which is. Yeah, that this is why there are, it doesn't matter what pre- event precipitates what crisis or when one starts and what doesn't, that we live in a crisis-prone society because it's set up that way, effectively.
2: Right.
1: And, you know, that is just, that, that our inclination is to speculate, that that's, part of, uh, that that's part of the economy. I mean, again, you could set it up a different way and you could have an economy in which um, speculation is much more reined in or much more curbed and I actually think like in Europe it does seem like it does not feel like the, the European economy is crisis but there is not the same level of speculative culture that I would say is in uh, certainly the United States uh, maybe the UK but um, like there are different degrees to which a I uh, I think countries and regulatory regimes can enable that but otherwise I mean I think uh, crises find a way
0: <laughs> indeed and you know <laughs> I think that is essentially a a, a nice note uh, to wrap it up on. All right. Um, so I want to say, Joe, thank you so so much thank for, you for coming having me. and that hanging out the, with us today. It was a blast. Yeah, and um, if you want to, uh, ch- if you if you are interested in like getting more sort of. Into finance, if you, and if, but if you don't like, if you're not like mm. a finance person, but you just want to understand what the fuck is going on, if you've got some Bitcoin yeah. that you're looking <laughs> to trade. Uh, no, if you're not a finance person, you want to know what's going on. I, I think Odd Lots is just is absolutely one of the best Thank ways you. that you can kind of begin I getting mean, into that.
2: I mean, it's
3: either that or like Wall Street Bats, and I would rather go with like <laughs> listening to the podcast them, than like both of
1: them are equal. You'll learn trying,
3: a lot try, <laughs> trying to learn finance yeah. from Wall Street Bats. <laughs> I, I
2: would like to recommend Keemstar and also Jay Shetty for any finance queries oh, that you co- might have. Oh,
3: co- Cobra Tate. Cobra Tate has his own um, finance, oh, like, fuck finance yeah. thing. I hate that
0: guy.
2: Um, he, I mean, he invests in people having big nights out, yeah. which maybe that's the smart thing. Maybe <laughs> maybe years later, they'll be like, man, Cobra Tate was buying the dip there yeah. by spending <laughs> 10 do- grand on a night out in Wolverhampton.
3: You and your dodgy mates are going to go and... Oh, fuck. I, I had a thing there about like the experience economy <laughs> and I just lost it.
2: Um, well, That's hey. it. I'm taking the bends and we're going to the liquid rooms in uh
0: in uh And if it's a shit <laughs> night out, I will punch you in the face. <laughs> oh, oh, you're such a you're so good at that Tate impression. Yeah. Anyway, um all right. So uh don't forget, there is five bucks a month, second episode a week, on Patreon. Uh it's there for you. I think this week we are going to be going back to our British roots and talking about widespread um which why the why why it's so bad why I so bad in I'm, britain i'm cut, i'm cutting my fringe already yeah. <laughs> perfect That's all right. right uh so thank you all for listening don't forget to listen to odd lots and thank joe once again thank you, yeah. you very much for being here yeah. you, please listen Take to care. the Thanks, Joe. And please listen to the other podcasts in the TF family. indeed. Yeah, you've
2: got you've got Masters of Our Domain with me and Phoebe. You've got Ten K posts with Hussein and Phoebe. You've got uh uh Well There's Your Problem with Alice, you yeah. got There uh, are a fucking...
0: lot we should just list
3: You've got, got Boney Island Whitefish. <laughs> yeah. Everyone forgets Boney Island Whitefish. Yeah.
0: Brian <laughs> yeah. knowledge, okay. yeah. All right. Later everybody. Yeah. Bye. Catch Bye. you later. <laughs>